Hello to everybody who thinks these tomatoes taste a little specific. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi everybody, Chris Gathered here. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. I thank everybody from the Facebook group who left comments on last week's episode. Our foster parents who love D&D. We had uh, a lot of people people who were at the live show checking in to say they were there. We had people debating if they were the oldest person at the show. Much love to you all. We had a lot of people very supportive of the couple. We had someone offering up. Nina offered up the word sangry. The mixture of sad and angry that all of us feel from time to time. Sangry. Maybe I might have to start using that. Sounds like sounds like a uh, like sangria. Like a wine-based beverage. Sangry. Sad and angry. We've also had people who didn't know what D&D was and other people explaining what D&D was. And also a lot of people thanking the callers for supporting the foster care system being who they are, sacrificing. It's a good episode. This week's episode is good too. Before I tell you about that, I just want to let you know very, very quickly, if you're in New Jersey and you have a kid and you're looking for something to do with the kid, July 6th, Asbury Park, houseofindependence.com. I'm hosting a show. It's going to be a family friendly. I'm doing a comedy show for kids. I've designed a comedy show for my son to like kids five and under getting free to this one. And it's going to be a mixture of dinosaurs and um, monsters and the kids get to be in control and Jersey trivia and it'll be fun. Maybe you want to come out if you're in Jersey. Who knows? Bring your kids. I wanted to, right? There's nothing out there for kids to have fun with that parents also find fun. So I said, I I guess I got to go ahead and just design it and make it. So we're going to give it a shot anyway. Stop plugging stuff. Here's what I do know. This call you're about to hear is full of surprises. It's full of things you don't expect to happen. I mean, you you can tell from the title of the episode, our caller had a heart attack at 42. Now, when you think of that caller, when you write, if you've only listened to the, only heard the title of the episode, heart attack at 42, you're assuming this is a male caller. It's not, it's not. We talk a lot about that goes against the stereotype of what you might expect this to be. Talk a lot about how when you come close to death, how do you plan for it? How do you prepare for it? How do you think of it moving forward beyond that? Really, really heady stuff. We talk about a lot of obstacles that the callers had. Heart attack being the most pressing one, but there's a lot going on. I think this caller is going to give a lot of us some perspective and make us all think about how to think of the future and think about what's on the other side of life. Hope you get something out of the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Um, I've been, I would say, weirdly stressed out today. I've I got one of those situations where it's a real traffic jam of things that I got to get done. But that's fine. That's life. That's what I'm signed up for. Well, I appreciate the hour of your time then. <laughs> oh, this will be one of the 
most relaxed parts of the day. You ever have one of those days where, because we'll get to know each other, so I don't know your situation, but for me, like I'm married. And you ever have one of those days where you're feeling stressed out and you think nobody notices? And then like in my case, my wife calls me after she she went and dropped off our son at daycare. And then she called me like, hey, you all right? You seemed real stressed out. And I was like, oh, I thought, I thought I was doing a pretty great job of hiding that. You ever have one of those? I'm having one of those. Yes, actually, my husband's pretty good at understanding when I'm stressed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's actually one of the reasons I left a voicemail. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. <laughs> so how should I start? <laughs> you tell me. You tell me. Uh, first, is my audio okay? I have you on speakerphone. Uh, it sounds really good to me. I mean, usually speakerphone is a disaster, but this is shockingly clear if this is speakerphone. Awesome. Great. Okay. Well, I'm a voicemail call. Um, I left a voicemail. I think it was last week. You were doing a live taping at a show. I called in. I didn't get through. Um, I may have had two glasses of wine. And call it liquid courage. Mm-hmm. And I, I remembered the voicemail, so I left a voicemail. When I called and left the voicemail, I was writing a document for my husband. And it is a document if I die. And um, it outlines like my wishes for funerals. It, it outlines my passwords, what accounts he has to close, um, subscriptions he needs to cancel, and a letter to him about our life. Wow. And the reason I was writing that is because I had a heart attack three weeks ago. You did? Um, and I'm 42. <laughs> so I was not expecting a heart attack at 42. We're the same age. Um, yeah. Yes, we are. I'm sitting here talking <laughs> about how stressed that. out, how I'm just constantly feeling this stress. This is a very uh, already eye-opening call. Well, I mean, you shouldn't be stressed about a heart attack at 42. Um, what happened to me was pretty rare. I actually have a perfectly healthy heart. And what happened is I have viral myocarditis. Um, which means the inflammation of the muscle of my heart swelled up and it closed off the oxygen or the blood supply to my heart and I had a heart attack. Mm, wow, um, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty scary, that's for sure. Um, but things are looking pretty good and I'm feeling pretty good and I'm seeing my cardiologist on Friday to follow up. And I'm hoping that it was just a temporary acute thing and not a long-term thing. And is this something that you, <clears throat> is this something that you knew was a possibility or did it take you by surprise? Absolutely not. Um, it took me by surprise. Um, I do have a history. They called me a Dr. House case. <laughs> I have a history of getting weird things, ha- or having weird things happen to me. Um, and it could be a virus that I got when I was a teenager, just kind of resurfacing in my body. It could be COVID. I had, I got COVID right when everything shut down in March after meeting a doctor from New York City. And I was sick for every year with COVID. So oh, I had wow. long COVID. Wow. Uh, 
So it could be related to COVID as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm heard, not sure I'll get an answer on what COVID. Long COVID um, sounds miserable, and and there's you know people who have effects that last a very long time. Like a lot of people, when they get it, it's just for a few days, and then they and then that creates this dialogue of like, why are we, why are we stopping our lives? And then you hear about other people who go, well, I had it for a year, and it may have led to me being a 42 year old woman who had a heart attack, which you know, I, I can't sit here and claim I know the statistics, but I feel like the popular dialogue is that you're going to be older than 42 and, and heart attacks, I believe, are known to happen more with men than than women. Um, and you sit there and you go, that could be due to yes, COVID as well. And it's like, well, that and that's why we that's why we still demonstrate caution. Yeah, it's not something you want to mess around with. I was never severely sick, um, but I had fevers off and on for about six months. I had a cough for over a year. I had chest pains, but they never found anything wrong at that time. But I wasn't hospitalized, and I never got severely sick. It just keep kept resurfacing in my body for months. Where were you when you had the heart attack? I was at work and I was by myself and I knew it was serious. Um, Basically women don't generally get as many signs as men for a heart attack. And mine were quite obvious. I got, I was really dizzy and um, I all of a sudden had chest pain and then my left arm went numb, like completely numb instantly. And I thought I was having a stroke so I texted my husband and having chest pains just because I wasn't sure if I was going to pass out or not. And I just wanted someone to know what was going on. Wow. Um, and then, of course, I drove myself to the hospital you while did. having a heart attack. No, you, you got to call 911 yeah, on it, that. <laughs> it was only a couple blocks in my work building. It's kind of strange. I'm on the second floor of a okay. warehouse. And I thought, like, if... I thought that paramedics might not be able to find me if I had, but yeah, it was stupid. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not trying but to make you feel I stupid. There. I just know I, I recently started driving the ambulance in my town. We got the, we got the volunteer squad and on Tuesday nights I drive the ambulance and I can tell you the one thing. No way. Yeah. It's pretty hilarious and dumb, but also quietly meaningful is what I would say. But I could tell you just for anybody listening, <laughs> like as the driver, I need the least training out of any EMT on the ambulance. And the one thing they train us all on is CPR and how to use that AED machine, which is all related to heart stuff. So just for anybody listening if you're thinking about, oh, should I call 911? Should I go on my own? This and that. Just understand, like any EMT, any paramedic, anybody who meets you, um, I can tell you I'm at the lowest rung of qualification and the thing they made me take classes on, CPR and how to operate the AED machine, which is that little suitcase heart starting machine that's like on the wall in a lot of public buildings now. So this is also... Yeah, this that's is also, awesome that you're doing well, it's, it's, it's fun and it's gratifying and I hope it sets a good example for my kid. But then I also hear, then I hear you talking, telling this story and I'm like, oh, this is why they train us on everything. This is why they train us on all this stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so you're at work, you know, something's really wrong. You think you might be having a stroke. So heart stuff isn't jumping into your mind. Cause why would it really, right? You don't fit the bill of someone who's going to have a heart attack at your age and, and everything else. And, uh, well, there is, there is something that's a puzzle here that doesn't necessarily, it, it doesn't make sense, but my brother died last year. At 42. I'm so sorry. But apparently, yeah, it was real. But apparently our situations are 100% unrelated, which, I mean, I'm not going to question a doctor, but I just think it's very odd that the two of us both had heart attacks at 42. So I I don't know what to do with that. But because of his situation, he did not go to the hospital and he died. Um. I had that in the back of my mind the second I started having chest pain. So I took it pretty seriously. I'm glad I did. Must have, That must have been a motivating thing to go get in the, the car. I mean, how scary for your family to start getting that call that, that you're having a heart attack as well, that you're having heart issues. That's what a nightmare for you and for yeah. a lot of the people who love you, I imagine. Yeah, it was pretty scary. Um, And what I had, they called a silent heart attack. Um, So when I first went into the hospital and had the ECG, it wasn't showing up, but they drew, there's a blood hormone or something. I don't know what it's called. It's called troponin T, and that's how you measure for damage of a heart attack. And they measured it when I first went in, it was seven. And then they took it again two hours, and they were going to send me home. and then two hours later, my levels were 216, which 14 is the high level. So I was definitely having a heart attack at that time. Let's pause there. That is an unambiguous sentence. I was definitely having a heart attack at that time. That's a scary sentence to say. I'm glad she's still around to say it. When you hear about the aftermath of that, the implications of that, physical, emotional, all sorts of stuff when we get back. Thanks to our advertisers who allow us to bring stories like this to the world. Now let's get back to the phone call. And then two hours later, my levels were 216, which 14 is the high level. So I was definitely having a heart attack at that time. Wait, 14 is a high level and you were 216? Yes. So you were yeah. 202, the 202 above what was would already be concerning? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I was expecting them to come down. They were like, oh, we're just going to do the blood work. And I was in pain, but it wasn't severe. Um, but I definitely was worried. But he was like, oh, your blood test is going to come back fine. And then he comes down two hours later and he's like, you're being admitted. And I'm like, what? And he's like, well, you had an event. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, you had a heart attack. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And our hospitals were, the cardiac unit was full. So I had to spend that night in the ER. Um, And that wasn't very pleasant, but then they moved me into cardio the next day when a bed opened and, I was there for two days after that. I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you survived and that you're talking to me now. Yeah, me too. 
you know what? You kept me sane during the pandemic with all your calls. I am in the event industry. And when everything shut down, I had COVID and my business was tanking. And I just would went through every episode of Beautiful Anonymous and just kind of was able to escape Happy to uh, help. What was going on for a little bit every day. Happy to hear that, especially in, in light of uh, the fact that you've been dealing with such tough times. I, uh, I got to ask, I mean, what you just said is a very nice thing, and I don't want to blaze past it. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that I helped. And as someone who's a live performer, I'm with you that live events went away in a heartbeat, and it was terrifying. Can't. It can't help. Who knows if it contributed to your heart attack, but it, 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 the stress of being in live entertainment right now, live events right now, it can't help. That stress can't help the heart for all of us. Um, I do have to ask. No, I actually... Oh, go for it. Go ahead. No, no, no. You say. You actually what? Well, I just said I, I'm closing that business. I actually... And I, I had another business that I started, but so I'm actually under a lot less stress now. <laughs> Okay, so, good, good. It's kind of funny that this happened now. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to hear that you're not recovering from this and trying to navigate the world of live events when you, we none of, none of us know when the next surge is coming that's going to shut everything down. Glad to hear it. You deserve something a little more chill right now in your life, and I'm glad to hear you got it. <laughs> I do have to ask. Yeah, I have that. Actually, go ahead. <laughs> no, you say it. No, no, no. I, I want to know what you have to ask. I'm curious. <laughs> well, I got to ask. I mean, you had mentioned, you know, you've mentioned the heart attack and that's terrifying. It's traumatic in its own right. But you also mentioned that you recently had to sit down and write out instructions for your husband and passwords and things yeah. that need to be canceled. And that's companion trauma. But I have to imagine like very traumatic in its own right. It was actually very peaceful to do, um, which is strange to say. Um, but like I said, I'm pretty unlucky. And about eight years ago, we had a 152-year-old house and our chimney collapsed and I had carbon monoxide poisoning. <laughs> so I mean, my life's kind of ridiculous. But anyway. You had carbon um, monoxide it was poisoning? Term. It wasn't enough to kill me. Yes. <laughs> And it was over a period of a year that we didn't know. And it wasn't enough to kill me, but it was enough to create neurological damage. Oh, God. Um, and it was like, I would pass out and all this stuff. And at one point, I started having seizures. And that's when they figured out what was going on. Oh, but during that time, goodness. they thought maybe I had ALS or MS. So I had to kind of think about death a lot during that time. Um and I ended up not having anything permanent, which is great. <laughs> but it made me at peace with my life. Um, my life is better than I thought it would have been as, as a teenager. And that makes me very happy. It's always so, nice to think about the When I was writing that game. letter to my husband. What's that? It, it is nice, you know, when you're dealing with short-term problems, adversities, stresses, to step back and go, what would teenage me think of my life? That is that is a nice way to kind of help push through some of the stresses that are right here, right now in your face. I, I, I do that often as well. I think that's a good technique. 
I, I agree. And um, it's why the, writing the letter wasn't sad. I mean, it's sad that I had to write it, but my husband was away on a camping trip with friends and I know he was nervous to even leave me because um, it was the week after I had the heart attack. Uh, but I told him to go. I told him, like, I know when to get to the hospital if I need to. Um, but we've had a lot of family members die in the past few years. And we had to kind of figure out their wishes. And it's really hard to be on that side um, when they aren't clear. So I wanted things to be absolutely clear for my husband of what I wanted. Were there any things... <clears throat> You wrote down, it sounds like a lot of it was informational. Here's the prescriptions to cancel. Here's the bills that are in my name. Here's the passwords to bank accounts. Were there any things you, you wound up writing that went beyond that, that you surprised yourself with? Were there any things you put down on the page and went, oh, I didn't yeah, anticipate yeah, that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I wrote to him, um, and I think one of the things that I, after I thought about it, I was surprised is that I want him to move on if I die and to be happy with anyone that comes into his life at the right moment. Um, and I 100% uh, want that to happen for him if I would, were to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, I also outlined my funeral wishes because I have very specific uh, request. I, I don't want to be buried. I hate caskets. I hate, I just think environmentally and practically, it's just a terrible thing for to do. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so I want my body to be donated to medical science and then, um, cremated. And then, um, on my, I don't really want a funeral, but if he wants to do that, he can, um, but on the first birthday after I pass away, I want everybody to go on a booze cruise. And <laughs> so Viking funerals, I looked into this, are not legal. <laughs> so, Viking do you know funeral, what a Viking funeral is? I believe that's a thing where like your body is floated out to sea on like a, a wooden raft and then people shoot flaming arrows into it to burn your body as you float away into nothingness. Exactly. Hmm. Um, Who would think would that wouldn't be legal? Those, but Who would think that floating a dead body <laughs> off the shore and shooting flaming arrows at it would be illegal? Yeah, well, go figure. Apparently the body doesn't decompose well in that situation. So <laughs> so my idea is just have a booze cruise on my birthday the year and like have a little boat covered in flowers and people shoot flaming arrows at that. And it has to be a fun party and... A celebration of life more than mourning. So you're going to have like a pseudo, you're going to have like a pseudo Viking funeral? Yeah. I wouldn't want them to break the law for me. Sure. Sure. So a pseudo Viking funeral. Love that. Love that. Big party. Love that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I didn't have any other request but I did list out for him because they gave me in the hospital um, a living will to fill out and I mm-hmm. left all of my um, preferences for uh, life support um, oh, wow. and when to kind of turn things off <laughs> um, and kind of had to come to terms with that 
but I know my husband and I know that he would really torture himself over not having that decision made by me. So I made it. So there's no option in here for him. It's if it hits, if it hits this level, you can keep the machines going and we'll keep fighting. If it hits this level, please let me go. Yep. In my directive, so there's different ways that they list out your preferences for things. And in my directive, I selected that I have to be able to continue to talk to family and friends. I have to be able to wake up from a coma. I have to be able to feed, bathe, or take care of myself. And I have to live without being hooked up to machines. Those are my four qualifications. So those are pretty high. Those are pretty high standards. There's a lot of situations where you would be let go then. Yeah. Wow. And I'd be okay with that because I wouldn't want to leave the burden on my husband to feed me and bathe me every day. I mean, it does beg the question that we haven't totally gotten into, which is, you know, how much of this is you've been through something very scary, something that put your mortality in your face. This is precautionary. This feels necessary because of that versus have you been told that there is a higher likelihood of, of more heart attacks, more, more issues, a higher likelihood of death, I guess is the, is the question. Well, yes, there is a much higher likelihood of death. Um, even within my first year and I'll know more on Friday when I see the cardiologist. Um, but the mortality can be up to 50% in five years. 50%. Um, But I'm also, yeah, but I don't know if that's my case. If it's chronic, yes. If it's acute, no. So I'm seeing what my situation is. And I had to wear a heart monitor for two weeks. Um, and I did go to the hospital the week after I had my heart attack thinking I had another and everything came back. Okay. But that ECG did say I had some damage from the heart attack. So I'll find out on Friday what the extent of that is. Wow. So this, this letter you're writing is not just an exercise in, well, this is something I should have because of a traumatic incident. It's, this is something I should have because no one can tell me what's going on and and statistics now say that within a few years I might be having some serious issues and, and, and even might be on my way out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, so I mentioned earlier, like I never expected as a teenager to even live past 30. I had a very rough childhood and, I had a mentally ill mother and my stepdad or my dad raised me as a single dad. Um, and I got into some bad stuff when I was a teenager. And then when I met my husband, I was 19 and he was just the greatest guy I've ever met. And I felt so comfortable with him and he completely made me change my life for the better. And I can't believe the life I'm living now because I was headed down a pretty dark road then, and I'm very happy and proud of the life that I've had at this point. And I wanted him to know that in the letter. So I definitely outlined that. Wow. Wow. Do you, you know, the cliche is you see your life flash before your eyes and you feel all, you know, and all these regrets. Did you, did you, did you, sense any of that? Did you walk away from this going, 
okay, I've got, I've got some extra time now to try to correct some of these regrets that I had or, um, you know, things you haven't done that are on your to-do list. Did you find any motivation like that? Or was it more of a whole, holy shit, my chest hurts. I need to get to the hospital. What's going on? I mean, it was the second, <laughs> mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. as I was writing the letter, it was very good for me because I'm very happy with my life. I'm a happy person. I escaped a lot of mental illness that was going through my family. Um, and I've, I've been in a situation where I created a career of my dreams and I did some pretty amazing things with my career and I traveled the world. I've been to South Africa, New Zealand, Central America. Like I've done a lot of traveling and it's like, I've, I've really enjoyed my life. So I'm at peace with that. What a good thing. What a good, what a good thing to have that be the predominant feeling of like, I'm at peace. I wound up, I wound up doing better than I thought. I wound up escaping a lot of things that, that, seemed insurmountable. I'm at peace. What a nice thing. It is. And I feel like I've done a lot of good things in this world to the people around me. And I I really have no regrets. Um, I could live another 30, 40 years, but I mean, I think the chances of that have gone down a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I just had to come to terms with it might happen. And I wanted kind of my husband and my family to know like my thoughts on it. You've mentioned your husband a lot. I'm wondering if you have any kids. I do not, which I think changes the way I think about things. Because if I had kids, I was actually thinking about this today. I would be sad that I'd be missing out on things. Yeah. Um, and we don't have that. So I think if I, if I had children, that would be the hardest thing. Miss milestones, yeah. but. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> no, like, no, it's, it's, it's kind of heavy as a parent here. <laughs> no, of course. I mean, it, but it's also just the reality of like my whole perspective on mortality has changed the past few years. My whole perspective on why I get out of bed is like, let me see what funny stuff Cal does. Today. Let me see what cool stuff he gets up to. Like he's going to, how is he going to blow my mind this week? Like that keeps happening. And then he's only three, you know, he started, this kid started pooping in the potty, by the way, big time news for all our listeners. Oh, good job. He's pulled it off like four times now. Where he's pooped once in a public toilet, once not even in the comfort of his own space. And now he's not doing it every time and it's frustrating, but four different potty poops out here. And like, that's the type of thing where I go, oh man, thank God I didn't uh, do anything. You know, thank God I never uh, jumped off a bridge in my twenties or whatever, not to be too macabre, but I feel like you and I could talk about it. Certainly like, thank God I get to stick around and see all this (laughs) stuff. Like he gives me good reason. It sounds like your, it sounds like your husband has been a real rock in your life and that occupies, you know, not the same, a husband and a kid are not the same, but, um, a similar sort of, this is the person you want to make sure all your thoughts are left with and your legacy is left with and, and your good feelings are left with. Yeah, for sure. 
I have to ask, does your and husband poop have in the potty? We have a lot of. Yeah, he poops very well in the potty for sure. <laughs> nice, good, 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 good. That's um, always. Imagine if you were like, actually, there's a whole other medical story here. Um, he's been going through some stuff as well, and he can't poop in the potty, unfortunately. No, why am I even? Why did I even say that? Why did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's cool. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I think I would have definite different like thoughts if I had a child. But, and I, we did want children early on in our marriage that we just decided if it didn't happen, it didn't happen. And we were going to be okay with that. And I'm okay with it. Um, I actually just got a hysterectomy this year, so it's definitely not going to happen. Um, but we wouldn't have been able to travel the world like we have. Um, yeah. And I like our quiet home. So it's just, just kind of how life worked out. And I'm okay with that too. <laughs> you also have freedom now. If you're having these instincts to check things off your bucket list, you have less, you have less um, logistics and less hoops to jump through. Like I couldn't do a bucket list right now. The kid has preschool four days a week. If you're like, I want to, I want to go skydiving. I want to, I've never been to Australia. Like if you want to start checking things off your list, you have more freedom to do so. Are you, are you fine? Are you feeling any of those instincts? Yeah. I mean, we were already doing that before I got sick. Um, like I wanted to go to South Africa. So we went to South Africa and Zimbabwe and saw Victoria Falls. So we've already been kind of living our bucket list. My theory has always been, I want to travel when my body is young and able to do hikes and um, enjoy the natural beauty of wherever we're going um, rather than wait till I'm old. Uh, so that definitely is a perk of not having kids. Not, not, I, I love kids, but I kind of love the life I ended up with as well. Let's pause there. That is some real perspective. That is some real, hey, here's what my life is. Here's where it's at. Here's why I feel lucky. Let's go Let's go do things. Let's go see stuff. It's cool. We can all find our own version of that. That's my guess. Anyway, ponder that. We'll be right back. Thank you to our advertisers. Very lucky to have you and lucky to bring this show to the world. Now let's finish off the phone call. I want to travel when my body is young and able to do hikes and um, enjoy the natural beauty of wherever we're going um, rather than wait till I'm old. Um, so that definitely is a perk of not having kids. Not, not, I, I love kids, but I kind of love the life I ended up with as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I love my people have, people have listened week by week as I've talked about my son and he's become part of my life. And that's been, it's funny because this show is all about the calls and the callers, but then I'm the common thread and you've, everybody's gotten to listen to me grow up and calm down and become who I am. And uh, certainly he's, everyone can hear, he's like a part of the fabric of my life in a way that's indispensable and indescribable and emotional. That being said, I'd love if I could just turn around to Hallie and just be like, we should go to South Africa. You want to go next month or should we wait a little longer? See if we can get any friends to come. I mean, that is, you know, I can't tell you how jealous I am of that. Yeah. I mean, there's ups and downs to everyone's situation. Oh, for sure. Um, and I, my situation, I'm like, when my husband and I do pass, we have no one to 
pass anything on to. Um, and that is something that you kind of think about, but I'm outlining charities where I want my resources to go to. What you want um, your what to go to? My money. Oh, your money. <laughs> money I've Got earned it. through my career. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I thought you you said resources. I thought you I said racehorses. I briefly thought you said I want. No. Here's the chair, and I thought you were holding out, and that you have been breeding racehorses this whole time, and haven't mentioned it. So resources. That makes a lot more sense. A lot more sense. That's a lot more exciting, but sure. Imagine <laughs> if it's like, oh, on top of that, part of the high stress of my life is that I'm a top level racehorse breeder and regularly participate in the Preakness and the. <laughs> Kentucky Derby haven't mentioned it. Um, now you, you've said a couple things. I gotta ask, and who knows if this will lead to anything. But you mentioned like you've put you've put very specific instructions on when machines should be turned off. You know when the do not resuscitate order should happen, and you said that you feel like your husband would just keep fighting if you weren't very specific about it. Um, you also said that one of the things I, I had asked you, if you wrote anything in your instructions to him, your letters to him, um, should you pass away? And you said one of the surprising things, one of the first things you said was that you said you, you have to move on and I'm okay if you do. And I want you to, do you think that if you hadn't given your husband that permission, if, if that wasn't explicitly laid out, do you think that, is he the type of guy that would stay single in your honor forever without you, without you giving that permission? Uh, he would struggle with it, but my husband's also a very likable guy. So everybody loves him. So I think eventually he would find someone, but he would probably feel some guilt. Um, yeah, I don't know. The thing is, his father passed away uh, three years ago. My grandmother had dementia. We didn't know her wishes. And then my brother, um, when he passed, I was specifically from my brother. Well, he had to go through the thing with his dad, and he didn't know his dad's wishes. Um, but for my brother, I was the person trying to find out, like, all of his accounts, what happened, um, and things like that. And it's a really difficult situation to be left in. Um, and we've both yeah. been through it multiple times in the past few years. Yeah. It sounds like but you've yeah. really been through it as a couple. You've, you've had a lot of loss in your life. We sure have. But only recently though, <laughs> just the past few years have kind of took us through the ringer with that. And, but it also sounds like you grew up in some but, very yeah. unstable circumstances as well. Yeah, I have, which is why I'm very grateful I'm mentally stable because I probably shouldn't be. But I just avoid, I don't know. Yeah, you haven't, uh, you haven't had it easy, huh? No, but I've also always had the drive to make whatever I want happen and it's happened. Um, and because of that, like I, I'm, I'm just proud that I'm a strong, happy person <laughs> through all of this. Yeah. 
one of those, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I've had a lot of things try to kill me. (laughs) Yeah. That phrase is very real for you, Uh huh? That which doesn't kill you uh, only makes you stronger. And, uh, believe me, uh, my count was 200, uh, 200 points above healthy. So you must, you must, you're like a incredible Hulk level strong. I've heard of people getting, I, I don't know much about trophy and tea, but I've heard of people getting like levels in the thousands. So I'm thinking, and I don't really know and I'm trying not to Google it, but I'm thinking it on a scale of a heart attack, it may have been a low one, but I have no clue. It's still very sobering to hear like, okay, so we get concerned around 14 and you're up in the two hundreds. Who knows what the scale is? You're right. The scale, there might be cardiologists listening right now going, well, that's, that's concerning obviously. And, and very scary. And she's doing the right thing by, by seeing doctors and preparing for the worst, but it's not the worst thing. But for people like you and I, who are just going about our lives until you're at work one day and all of a sudden it feels like a fist is gripping your heart and you're going, Oh no, oh no, oh no. 200 above 14. That'll, that, that's terrifying. Yeah, I could see the level of concern in my doctor. Um, so I knew I knew it was the real deal. Um, but yeah, they felt comfortable to send me home. And it's funny because they kept me in the hospital for a couple of nights and um, they put me on a beta blocker. And apparently a side effect of this beta blocker is making your heart stop. And my heart stopped three times the day that I was discharged. And what? That was a little unsettling. Your heart stopped three times? It only stopped. It stopped for three to six seconds. And like every time it happened, I felt like I was in this deja vu state. And the nurse would run in and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know what just happened. But apparently my heart was stopping during those times. So I was a little nervous to get released that day. But it was supposed to, it was supposedly a side effect of the beta blocker. And I haven't had my heart pods that I know of since. I hope not. What's that feel like? When, what's it feel like when your heart stops? I know that's a dumb, it's a very basic question, but I don't know if no. I've ever talked to anybody who can tell me, yeah, I was awake and my heart stopped and a nurse ran in. And you hearing you say that the nurse is like, it you all right? Most- and you're like, well, my fucking heart stopped. <laughs> it was the most bizarre thing ever. It was like I was awake and having REM dreams um but it was like a deja vu feeling like the nurse told me she left her favorite pair of scissors on the bus and my heart had stopped right as she was saying that and I'm like you already told me that and then her cell phone rings and it's the nursing station saying my heart just stopped and I'm like I just had it again and she's like yeah you did so it was freaky whoa there's definitely something neurological going on when it happened something what psychological going on Neurological, like neurological. It, it felt like a, yeah. And what do they do? Do they just go, well, it restarted, so we're good. Uh, keep on living, have fun, or, or do they? Is that a whole new battery of tests? They just they they monitored me, my nurse. Which, by the way, nurses are like the most amazing people on the planet. Um, my nurse was worried because I had to go down for a two-hour-long. Um, MRI of my heart um, within the next hour after it had started happening. So she was actually really scared to have me off the machine just to get to the MRI room. So she escorted me to my MRI and back just in case something happened. 
and it didn't. I was okay, but yeah, he was a sweetheart. Man, and it didn't stop after that. This is the realest stuff. Well, the weirdest part about all of it, so the morning after my heart or my heart attack, I had to go for a heart catheterization, which they take a needle and they go through a vein in your wrist and it goes to your heart and they can see like a camera through your heart. There was absolutely no damage or disease or anything wrong with my heart. <laughs> it's a perfectly healthy heart. And it's just so crazy. I had a heart attack. Um, and they were really confused about it, too. And it wasn't until they did the MRIs that they saw the inflammation that caused it. Wow. Yeah. Oof. Oof. It was bizarre. Really bizarre. Like I said, I've had a lot of kind of freak medical things happen. And why do you think I mean, you've I had all this? Think this was why do you open? think you've had death and 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 freak medical stuff? And I don't people, know. Why you? Why you? Why your family? Why you? Yeah. You think about it? Do you sit and think and about everybody it? Everybody says I need to. I do. <laughs> but I think every time something happens, I just appreciate life more. But yeah, I'm a freak case. <laughs> I don't think normal people have to worry about this kind of stuff, but yeah, I went blind when I was 17. I had a, a you disease were, in my eye. Well, you had, um, you, I regained you my sight blind? and treated it. Yeah. What, ha- wait, what happened a, with your eye? I had toxoplasmosis. And a lot of people have it. Like 80% of the population has it. But I got it in my optic nerve and it made my, eye swell, my optic nerve swell shut. So I lost my vision for a year in my right eye. Uh, that could also be what caused the heart attack too. I don't know, but yeah, I'm a freak case. Wait, how old were you when you went blind? Eighteen. That because we could just be talking about that for an hour. That you went blind when you were eighteen and had to relearn sight. Yeah, yeah. Everybody says I need to write a memoir. You better write it all down now, huh? Oh, I started with a letter to my husband, so. Wow. Wow. But I look at my life and I, my career, I don't want to say what I do because I feel like I've already said some very specific things that if someone knew me, they know it's me. (laughs) Um. But I had a pretty exciting career um, and got to do some pretty amazing things and worked with some celebrities on big events. And I I just think that I've had a really cool adulthood. And I think that's why I'm at peace with everything. It's, you know, you, we've talked so much about the heart attack. You've mentioned you went blind. You mentioned your brother passed away. You mentioned your background growing up. It sounds like it was not the most stable. Um, I'm going to ask you a question that's like a big philosophical question. Sure. Might not be fair. You might, you might just go, hey, I'm rolling my eyes at that one. What are you doing to me, Gethard? And that's fair if that's the answer, but... 
you're sitting here and saying like you're at peace and you had this great adult life and you had gotten into some really bad stuff when you were 19, you met your husband and he was a person in your life who helped, you know, helped you find your way out of that and, and, and the strength of that relationship helped you find stability. However you want to phrase it. These are the bullet points you've laid out, but in 42 years, you've seen a lot, you've lost a lot, you've been through a lot. And yet you're talking about how you've lived a cool life. I'm wondering if, if in light of everything that's happened to you recently, do you, do you ever sit around and go, is, is life good or bad? Like, do you have any insight into that, that maybe I haven't considering I haven't seen death up close that I haven't had to sit down and write a letter to my spouse about what happens if I go. And in light of the fact that you've had a hard life, do you sit here and go, is life a good thing or is it a hard thing? I think life's a great thing. Um, but there were times, like when I was a teenager, I was suicidal. Um, I just, you're going to think I'm crazy for saying this, but I think I'm a very lucky person because of the people who have come into my life and have supported me and the experiences I've had. I know that sounds so bizarre after you just listed all the things that happened to me. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't think life's bad at all. But there have been times in my life when I did. But those were the times in my life where I did not have control of my life either. And I've kind of taken control of my life. And I make it positive. That's very interesting. That's a very interesting answer. That when you take control of your own life, life gets good. That's a very, very, that's not an answer I was expecting. And it's really interesting. Yeah, I've taken a lot of, I've taken a lot of risk to build the life I want, and it worked out, and I've been lucky at the same time. So, yeah, I'm living my dream life right now, and I never thought I would be. What a cool thing to be able to say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like this call has been more somber than I wanted it to be. No, but. you know what's shocking is it's like at the end of the day, if the base level of what we're going to talk about is like, so I had a pretty concerning heart attack and drove myself to the hospital and I have to seriously think about laying out instructions for my husband because the likelihood that I die within five years has increased exponentially. Like, yeah, this is not going to turn into a call where we're like, giggling and whatnot but i would say i've been far more somber than you that's kind of the way it goes sometimes too though right is like you're in the middle of it you've actually been laughing and explaining some stuff in a way that's very positive and i'm the one sitting here going oh my god we're the same age like how do you handle this how do you think about that and that's really eye-opening as well it's really eye-opening as well because what does that reflect that reflects that, that i'm dark well, it also tells me that I'm like, you're sitting here saying, when I've taken control of my own life, life feels good. And I'm sitting here and I'm writing this note to my husband. And I'm sure there's moments where that's hard and it's somber, but it also sounds to you like there's been times where as you're describing, it sounds like it's also been very relieving and very empowering and in a lot of ways, very hopeful. And there's a part of me that's sitting here going, well, this is a reflection of yeah. taking control of your life, using the time you have 
finding ways to get motivated and make the most out of time while you have it. You're someone who's had to think very hard about that in a realistic way. You're someone who has had to really put a focus on that. And I'm sitting here going, maybe I'll spend a little less time uh, playing Wordle and a little bit more time thinking about how to make those choices that are <laughs> gratifying and that do make me feel in control of my life. And, and I'm somebody who I do. I, I, have a very, I have a very similar thing where sometimes I will find myself getting very, very stressed and I'll take a step back and I'll go, you know, I've never had to put on a shirt and tie and I've never had to get yelled at by a boss. And sometimes that's been, you know, tumultuous and, and uncertain, but I have to find my own life in a way I'm proud of. Remember that, like, remember that that's a good thing. And that's a thing you always set out to do. And I remind myself of it, but this, this call is like, a in the most pleasant way, it's like a cold shower that's reminding me, like, you got to make some active choices to, to squeeze the most out of time because it's not limitless. And you have this, like, 42, you and I are the same, you and I are the same age. And like you said before, like, you go, I, I'm now dealing with the fact that for me, it's not, it's probably not three or four decades, which is, we all sit around and knock on wood and go, I probably, probably got three, four decades and... Maybe I should be doing a little more physical stuff since my back is starting to hurt and my knees aren't good. Should I, are there any sports I wanted to learn or any, any, any physical, do any hikes or mountains I want to climb? Like, but I got decades, I got decades and you go, no, you might not. No, you might not. And this call is reminding no, me of that. It It's actually not somber. I'm yeah, somber. I think you're making me think about my mortality, but you're actually coming off as somebody who's pretty chill. So I, I had a kind of a life changing, um, thing in my career where I went to, um, train under someone that was one of the top in the world in my career. Um, and I only trained for a couple of days, but I was terrified to travel on my own and it was in New York city. And I just decided, you know, I'm going to take the risk and I'm going to go do this. And I'm a total introvert. So it was hard, but I faced my fear and I felt so empowered. And then I just started saying, like, I basically shot down fear in my life. And I just started proposing crazy ideas to my clients. And they were like, yes. <laughs> and I got to do some crazy things. And that side of my life, which I won't mention what I do, um, was pretty damn cool. Um, I shot down fear in my life. Do you understand? That's one of the most badass things I've ever heard anybody say. You just said the sentence, I shot down fear in my life. That's what you said, right? Yeah, it was life changing. I, if I want to do something, I figure out a way to make it happen and I do it and it's empowering and I've done some really cool shit. That's cool. Um, and I probably wouldn't have done it if I just, I, I, it was so out of my comfort zone to fly into New York City and go to this. Um, but I walked away a different person. And ever since, I don't let fear affect me at all. And I just do what I want. And even in the face of all this, uh, you know, it sounds like professionally, you said, basically, I will not be driven by fear. I will not be a fearful person and unlocked everything for you. Do these medical issues, do they bring fear back into your life? Does losing your brother at a young age, does that bring that fear into your life? Or do you feel like once you've unlocked that 
that feeling of, you know, when I can eliminate fear, things get so much better, so much more exciting. Does that start to extend even to these things that are so in your face, so personal, so adverse? I, well, I mean, a heart attack is pretty scary. So it is fearful and I have had pain since it's happened in my chest. And I'm always like, is this happening again? Yeah. And I carry around a blood pressure cuff and an ECG portable device in my purse it's everywhere I go, which when I was cleaning out my brother's car after he died, I found the backpack he carried every day with him. And the only thing in it was a blood pressure cuff. And I'm like, what are the, the odds that my brother and I are both 42 year olds walking around with blood pressure cuffs? So yeah, there is a, a level of fear with that. And I don't want it to happen, but I'm at peace with it if it does. And and have you thought about have you thought about this as motivation? As someone who just laid out that like again, so badass. Like I shot down fear in my life, went to New York City, started pitching crazy ideas to my clients. They went for it. I took some big risks and when they got on board, I got to execute some stuff I'm immensely proud of. And now you're balancing it with, well, yeah, I'm finding my brother's equipment. I'm realizing I have the same thing. It is scary. How do those two Venn diagrams cross over? Like as someone who you said, like I've done this traveling, I've seen stuff. Are there any things where you're like turning to your husband and you're going, we've always said vaguely we want to do X, Y, and Z. Guess what? We're doing them. I'm booking the tickets for November or whatever. Like are, are there things that you're, you're saying it's go time on life right now. Screw this fear. We're not letting it control us. Or are you not at that point yet? Uh, I would be, but I'm waiting for that cardiologist follow-up um, to know if this is permanent. I don't even know if I should be on a plane. I don't know if I should be exercising. I don't know if I should be limiting caffeine. They didn't give me a lot of instructions. Um. So I'm afraid to like make any jumps right now just because I, I don't want to die. Um, and I don't know what's a risk for me. So until I kind of figure out more of what's going on, wait, hello. Hello. You are. Your audio has gotten Hello, bad. Can you hear me? Oh, six and a half minutes left. And it was almost this like poetic representation okay, of we never know when we're going to go. Hey, is this better? Oh, so much better. Can you hear me, Chris? I can. Can you hear me? Okay. I took you off speaker. Sorry. That was like a phone call yeah, version of like, oh, quiet. remember everybody. We don't know how much time we've got. You think you have six minutes left. You might not. It was like a living <laughs> version of it. It's like a current moment of it. Oh, sorry. Oh, what if I actually had a heart attack then? That would have no, been terrible. No, <laughs> don't even say it. I mean, listen, the downloads would be off the charts and I'm sure we'd get written up in all the cool publications that cover podcasts, but it's the last thing I want. It's the last thing I want. Yeah, you would definitely be famous for this call. <laughs> well, listen, that's uh, being famous is overrated and uh, I don't need to be famous. I'd much, much rather talk to you than listen to you have a heart attack. I don't care about that. It's a dark joke to even. I was make. so nervous before this call, but you just have the most relaxing personality to talk to. <laughs> well, there's no consequences to this, and I feel like you and I—if if there's anybody who should come to realize—it's like 
what are the consequences of this? Your story gets on record, right? And it's going pretty well. If it was going poorly, what? Then we just don't put it out. Okay, that happens once in a blue moon. But there's no consequences to this. And now, hopefully, we follow up with you in five, six, seven years. Hopefully, we're still doing this show. We call and you say, yeah, I'm outliving all these projections. They said uh, increases within five years, but I'm at six. Screw it. And here's all the things I've learned in the face of that. Or, God forbid, you do pass on. Well, now we've gotten to hear exactly what it's like to have this uh, sort of catastrophic event happen with your heart and and to be aware of that and to have to reconcile that. And it's going to help a lot of people. It's helping me. You know, it's funny. I'm not going to tell my husband I did this. You know, listen to your show. He doesn't listen to the podcast. I'm not going to tell my husband, but I'll put it in my document that I left to listen to this episode. Oh, now that makes me feel a lot of pressure. So that'll be part of my instruction. Well, I do have to say. Oh, no. Well, I got to say, too, because you've talked about your husband in the context of this event and, and things you've learned and, and what you've had to lay out to him. But you also have indicated so many times, and I, and I hope he's hearing this then. And, you know, we only have, we have about three and a half minutes left. I'm wondering then if you're going to say, hey, go listen to this. So much of this has been about the circumstances and the logistics and the reactions to it. But there's also been all these dots that are very easy to connect that show the immensely profound effect he's had on your life. I wonder if you'd want to speak to that. If you're going to say to him, hey, listen to this if I pass away, I wonder with these last few minutes, if there's anything you'd want to say to him in light of that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he found me when I was in a bad spot and um, encouraged me to go back to college. Um, I was having trouble reading because of my eye issues at that time. Um, he supported me when I was in a lot of debt in the beginning of my career. Um, he supported me through the pandemic. Like I couldn't have asked for a kinder, supportive, funny guy. <laughs> and the one thing I put in here in my letter to him <laughs> is he's always joked that if I die, he's going to sprinkle my ashes into the ground and grow tomatoes from them and then feed them to people. And I specifically said, he's not allowed to do that. <laughs> he's a little weird. I love that. That's, I love that. That's what came up when I opened the door to this emotional, this potentially emotional tidal wave of a moment. We do get to also find out that your husband's sense of humor is to uh, grow death tomatoes, that you may live on through the tomatoes in the soil he'll mix with your ashes. Dark sense of humor on yes. this guy, huh? If, if he's listening to this, you're not allowed to do that, okay? <laughs> no death tomatoes. Yeah, I, he's a cool guy. <laughs> and I definitely feel like I don't deserve him, but I hope I've made him happy on what I've become because of him. Oh, but yeah. I'm guessing we're pretty low on time. A minute and a half. Anything you feel like we haven't gotten to yet that you want to get to? Uh, no. I just, I thank you for uh, having this podcast and also, if anybody is listening to this and knows who I am because of the ultra-specific things that have gone on with my health, please don't out me publicly. <laughs> but yeah, 
there might be somebody uh, out there going like, I have a friend who was blind in her teenage years who also recently had a heart attack in her early forties. I wonder if it's her, like, probably is, probably is. So just be yeah, cool. Just be cool me. about it. Can we just not dox? Can we avoid the doxing? I also just, I want to say on my end, I want to thank you because I'm left sitting here going, you were saying before, like it's more macabre. It's actually not. And I'm sitting here right now thinking about how happy my wife has made me in my life, how happy my kid makes me, how lucky my life's been and how I need to slow down and let some of the stress go and, and to enjoy that more and to realize that I'm already at an age 42 where it is time to enjoy the things instead of worrying about the next thing. So thank you for that. Cause I think I needed this one today in a big yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. Someday, someday. Do things before it's too late. That's Not right. that it's typical that people die at 42, but just don't have any regrets and don't ever forget to tell people what they mean to you. I think that's an amazing note to end on. Thank you so much for this call, and I wish you many, many years of health. I really do. Me too. Well, it's been a pleasure, Chris. Caller, sincerely, thank you. And I hope we get to talk down the line, and it's many years, and to tell you great news, and and that um, this this event, they were able to figure out what happened and why and correct things, and that you have many, many years ahead of you. And if you don't, Thank you for teaching me how you handled that because I find myself very moved by it and it's making me think about how I live day to day right now and I bet I'm not the only one thinking that and I thank you for that. This show is produced by Anita Flores. It's engineered by Ryan Connor. Our theme song is by Shell Shag. Go to chrisgeth.com if you want to know more about me and that includes my tour dates and hey, wherever you're listening, there's a button that says subscribe, favorite, follow. When you hit that button, it helps us so much. You can find our latest merch at podswag.com. We've got mugs and shirts and posters and a whole lot more. If you want ad-free episodes of Beautiful Anonymous and a ton of other shows, check out Stitcher Premium. Use the promo code STORIES. You'll get a month free. Stitcher.com slash premium. <laughs>